at first glance, when you read this, you might say, what does this have to do with Christmas? Because the writer of 1 John, his name was John, the writer of 1 John doesn't tell the story of the birth of Jesus. There's no manger, there's no angels, there's no shepherds. But what he's doing here is he's telling us the importance of the nativity. He's saying, look, look at this passage. Look what's so great about Christmas. And what is great about Christmas? What is great about Christmas? Christmas is good news. It's very good news. So let me, I just think I need to describe this to you. What is the difference between news and advice? If Christmas is good news, what's the difference between calling Christmas good news and calling Christmas good advice? Well, what's the difference between news and advice? Advice is counsel about what you must do. You got to do this. Do you want to not crash your car? You got to do this. You want to get good grades in school? You got to do this. That's advice. News is different. News is a report about what has already been done. News is different than advice. Let's give you an illustration. Let's say an evil army is going to attack Los Angeles. I don't even know what route you would take. Probably the 10 to the 405 South or the 110. I mean, they're not going to attack from the East unless it's our neighbors in Colorado. So how do you, like, how do you even attack? So you, so you have the 10, you might take your arterials. So say there's a, 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 I don't know what you would do. I would, um, I mean, this town doesn't have any weapons. I mean, we're going to be like in trouble if, uh, if we ever get attacked. But it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Anyway, so um, let's say there's an army coming into town. What does Los Angeles need to do? What does Los Angeles need to do? Well, Los Angeles needs military advisors. It needs people that can tell them the earthworks. Here, the earthworks go here. The uh, trenches should go here. We need to put marksmen over here. We need to add tanks over here to prevent this army from invading. However, let's say a great king comes and intercepts the invading army. All right? There's an army coming in. And it's coming down the 405 north during traffic. I don't know how they're getting through. They're not making a lot of headway. But let's say a king comes and intercepts the army and stops the army from attacking. The, uh, and, and, the, and the army is pushed back and the army is no longer attacking. What does Los Angeles need then? Does it need military advisors? No. It needs something else. What does it need? It needs messengers. It needs people that are going to go out into the city and say... Hey, guess what? You don't need to hide anymore. I bring you tidings of glad joy. I, stop fleeing. Stop building fortifications. Stop hiding. The king has taken care of the problem for you. Something has happened, and because something has happened, everybody, everything changes. That's the difference between news and advice. What's the difference between advice and news? Advice urges you to make something happen. News says something has already happened and now you get to respond to it. Advice says that you have to act. News says someone else has already acted. In the Christmas story, when we look at it, it's news. It's good news. It's good news that you and I don't have to save ourselves. We don't have to fix ourselves. We don't have to be on our best behavior all the time because God has come to save us. You know, we can argue that many world religions and in fact many churches 
when they talk about salvation, they proclaim it not as news, but they proclaim it as advice. Salvation is something you have to wrestle for, something you have to figure out, or you need to achieve on your own some sort of state of consciousness. But the Christian gospel is different. The founders of the gospel, the religions of the world might say, I am here to show you the way to God. I'm here to show you the way to spiritual reality. And, the spirit, and these founding fathers would give you advice on how to do all of that. But that's advice. But Jesus Christ is fundamentally different. He says, I am spiritual reality myself. Come to me. Come to me and therefore you will be changed. And you can't really come to me entirely so that's why Jesus came to us does this make sense are we following are you following me Jesus is good news Christmas is good news why else is Christmas good news Christmas is good news because you can have fellowship with God God makes he makes fellowship with God possible you can have friendship with God look at verse 3 it says we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And this is really interesting because what John is saying is to anybody who reads this, whether you knew Jesus in person or not, but because of Jesus, you can have the same friendship and fellowship with God that the original disciples did, that the original apostles did, that you can have what they had. Christmas is good news because Jesus comes to us and offers good news. But he also comes because he comes to be our friend. And not in a distant, dormant way, but in an intimate way. That you can actually know God as good as the disciple Peter. As good as the disciple John. As close as Mark, who wrote one of the books of the Bible. Why else? Why is Christmas so great? Well, Christmas means joy in the ordinary. What do I mean? Well, greatness came in a manger. And the world has trouble seeing that. Why? Why would I say that? What, what do I mean? Well, what does Los Angeles want? Think about what this city wants. It wants lights. It wants pizzazz. It wants spectacle and flash. But what do we get at the nativity? Do we get lights, camera, pizzazz? When we see it, we see that Jesus, he wasn't born at the crypto.com arena. <laughs> he was born in a stable. He didn't go live in a palace or um, what are those high-rises? I think it's the Ritz-Carlton residences right next to the crypto ducker. He didn't go live there. He didn't live in Beverly Hills. You know where he lived? Actually nowhere, because immediately he was made into a homeless refugee, and he had to flee for his life within the first couple years to escape a genocide that was happening in his hometown. And the guests at his birth, they weren't A-list celebs. They weren't B-list celebs. They weren't C-list celebs. And they weren't my favorite, which are D-list celebs. I love running into a D-list celebrity. Like one you're like, were you in the thing maybe? And then they're like, yeah, I guess I was. Uh, he, Jesus didn't even have the D-listers. Who did he have? He had shepherds. 
And shepherds were kind of like a plain job. They were an important job, but it was kind of a plain job. He had ordinary people, and he was born in ordinary circumstances without pizzazz. Listen, I love the Super Bowl. I, my, I, my wife loves the Super Bowl for very different reasons. I love the Super Bowl because I like the game. I like the challenge. I like athletes giving each other uh, long-term head injuries. <laughs> I like the idea of, of like just that athleticism and all that. She likes it because it marks the end of the football season because she hates football. I mean, I love everything about the Super Bowl. I love the game. I love the week leading up to the game and all the anticipation. I love the commercials. Who watches Super Bowl for the commercials? I just need to know who I'm dealing with. Who actually watches it for the game? Do we got one? Okay, cool. Awesome. Cool. I can now adjust my comments appropriately. One of the other things I love about the Super Bowl is... The halftime. Well, yes, the food. Let's talk about food. I was going to go. I'm looking at the clock and I'm cruising through. I've got like three more minutes and I'm sending you guys home. I'm so sorry. This is so fast. I do love the food. What's your favorite food to bring, by the way? Ooh, what's in all seven layers? Probably beans. Buffalo chicken dip. Guac. We got guac over here. Oh my gosh, the food. Yeah, oh, we're raising our hands. Wow, what a good student. Yeah, go ahead. Hot dogs. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Dude, beer. We have beer. Yeah. <laughs> and then he like did a fake shame thing. He was like, beer. Is that okay? Yeah. <laughs> I love all that. And you like, and you like, and depending on how the game is going, you go walk over into the other room. Earlier in the week, we were watching a game, and every time Nikki left the room, the, other, the team we wanted to win scored a point uh, or scored. So I was like, I think you have to go hang out in the bedroom for the rest of the game. <laughs> we're superstitious. Anyway, food. Um, yeah, uh, something else that was great uh, I, I love about uh, the Super Bowl is the halftime show. I love the halftime show. Does anyone here have a favorite halftime show that they can recall in recent history? Left Shark. Left Shark. Yeah, what's it? What's it? Snoop. Oh, yeah, the L.A. one was good. There was a lot of 40-year-olds that were really happy last Super Bowl. <laughs> And our children were like, what is this? And we're like, oh, yeah, dude, we were totally cool. Uh, <laughs> anyone else? Yeah, I heard yeah, Snoop was good. And then they had uh, Fady. That, uh, that was actually my favorite. You're, that, you're taking my, yeah, what's it, Bruno? Yeah, that was terrible. I don't know, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I finally get someone to participate. And I'm like, nope, that was bad. Nope, don't like that one. Uh, oh, I remember when, um, and uh, U2 opened up their sleeve and they had the American flag. It was right after 9-11. It was a very big moment. My favorite of all time is Lady Gaga. I was so surprised. I, I, I mean, and you know, I don't I not seem like a Gaga fan, and I'm not. But I did like her halftime show. And I, if you recall, she descended, she goes, she sang something, Liberty and Justice for All. And then she jumped off the roof and then she descended into the middle of the stadium. Does anyone recall this? She landed in the middle of the stadium and someone unbuckled her and then she's like, rah, rah, ah, 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 and so on. 
and then yada, yada, yada. And she was so good. I, she was so good. I remember it because I went back and watched it again. I was so impressed with her ability to perform and entertain. Like she won over a crowd of football people. She's not like a football person. She won over a crowd. Of okay, and here's what I remember about that. There's all this pizzazz. There's like hundreds of dancers. There's smoke and there's lights. And then you descend in the middle. If it were up to me, this is a lot of buildup. If it were up to me, I would have, if I were God, I would have sent my, my son down to earth like that in the, in the middle of the Super Bowl game with all the things happening. There's like lasers and the commentators are like, wow. And everyone, that, you know, and like we'd like to think that the whole world is watching, but really they're watching the World Cup. I would have sent it down with spectacular special effects. The whole world would be like, that's amazing. And there'd be a cheering crowd and people would be singing along like, you know, Hosanna or whatever people sing. I don't know. I'm not a worship guy. And, and then, of course, everyone would be wearing those cool silver suits. But that's not how it was done. And that's not how Jesus did it. At every point, at every point, God defied the world's expectations. He defied the world's expectations about how celebrities would act or should act. Like Jesus was a different kind of celebrity. And Jesus defied how social movements should begin. He wasn't born in like Palestine's version of New York or Los Angeles. Sophisticated, smart, well-dressed people. He wasn't born into a circle in a major urban center, a cosmopolitan center like Los Angeles, where he was able to grow up as a native, making all the right connections with all the right people to build the movement that he wanted. You know, when you come into a city like this, it's important to build your thing and, your, and, and to build the social movement that you want. And it's easier if you've been already connected here for a number of years. But Jesus didn't do that. His parents weren't born, in, he didn't raise, they weren't raised. His parents weren't uh, both professors at Stanford, like the guy from FTX, uh, where he could, well, he could leverage his wealth and his power to build his thing. Jesus was born in a backwater town. Jesus was, lived as a refugee for two years. And then after that, he was moved to another backwater town. I don't even know if there's an American equivalent to the kind of backwater town. So let's call it Alabama. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So you imagine sophistication. There would be a non-sophisticated part of a country where people go, what happens in Alabama? It's a place that people from here might tease and make fun of. But that's where he was raised. He probably had an accent. He probably had like the kind of a thing that would be considered the, their version of a southern draw. In fact, one of his own disciples, when he heard that Jesus was from Nazareth, he said, what good can come from Nazareth? Meaning like, what kind of a leader is going to come out of that part of the country? Like it was a place that was mocked by more sophisticated people. And what we get from this is that Jesus was born into humble and ordinary situations. In a situation that none of us would find impressive or cool or interesting. And here's why this is important. The message of Christmas itself, because of its ordinariness, it can be offensive to people. The idea 
that you could be a normal person, the idea that you could live actually a not-so-good life, that you could be a liar, the very fact that you could potentially cheat on your spouse, cheat on your taxes, or cut corners at work, you could oppress the people that you work for, the very thought that you could live a life full of addictions and broken promises, and still, five minutes before you die, you can just repent you could just turn to Jesus and allow Jesus to save you from your sin. The fact that you don't have to put in a, you don't have to live a really good life to be saved. The fact that like you don't have to put in enough time before you die to really show that your heart has changed in order for God to accept you. That's offensive to people. That was offensive then, that's offensive now because it's too simple. It's too easy. People say, you mean I don't actually have to show that I'm a good person? That's offensive to people. Why? Why is it hard for people to believe? Because many people believe that salvation, or what people in West Los Angeles would call contentment or happiness, what people would call salvation or what we would call contentment, it has to be achieved by noble and moral deeds. It can't be something you just ask for. The ordinariness of the gospel is offensive because it offends our pride. The pride that tells us that we need to do it for ourselves. But when we look at the scriptures and when we look at the verses that we read, we see clearly that Christ came in weakness. He came in smallness. And he didn't come to save the proud, but those that, who are willing to admit that they are weak, that they have problems, that they need a Savior. And listen, the Christian life doesn't begin with you figuring out all the best things that you need to do next year. The things that you need to achieve. You don't, you don't need to achieve a bunch of high deeds for God to love you next year. It begins with the most simple, simple and ordinary humble of asking. And then our life as it changes and as it grows, it does not grow because of our own greatness. It grows because of something God is doing in us. It's not because of our goodness, but it's because of his goodness. And through that commonplace, through that boring set of circumstances, daily obedience, connecting to God through prayer, being involved in a local worship community, serving our brothers and sisters and those who are in need, Depending on Jesus in our time of suffering, little by little, we see that God is the one who's moving us through. That God is the one who is growing us and changing us. And then because of the foundation of our life is changing, our lives are changing. And some of us grow closer uh, to God through that. And what it results in is contentment and joy. But it's a deeper kind of contentment and joy because it's not the kind of contentment and joy that comes from achieving our own success. It comes from something God has done. And so when we read these verses that we read from John, we need to see that the good news that Jesus brings to us this Christmas is something that God wants to do in you. And there's nothing that you need to do other than to accept it this Christmas. Am I being clear? You cannot... You cannot achieve greatness in your spiritual journey unless you allow God to bring that greatness to you. And I know many of you call yourself Christians, as do I. 
But I'm not talking about you becoming saved right now. What I'm talking about is welcoming the power and the presence of God once again. You don't have what it takes. Why, we, why do we call this series Light in the Darkness over Christmas? We call this Light in the Darkness because God's light is penetrating into the dark places of our world and into the dark places of our lives. And he wants to do something that we can't do for ourselves. So as you go from here and as you celebrate this Christmas, remember there is a God who is here that loves you and has done everything necessary for you to have a growing relationship with him. Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, uh, and uh, why don't we all stand? I'm going to pray a closing blessing on us, and we're going to sing one more song. And, uh, let's, and then uh, that'll be our time together. So if you feel comfortable, you can open your hands. Uh, if you don't, don't, don't do it. It doesn't matter to me. It's nothing magical about it. So God, I pray. I pray for the people in this room. May you impart your joy to these people as they go before you and welcome you into their lives. I pray, God, in all the ways that you want them to experience you, I pray that they would. I pray that you draw close to people who are hurting, who are experiencing pain, who are experiencing loss. God, I pray for those who um, just in the heart of their own heart, in their heart of hearts, they know they don't have what it takes or they're struggling, God. I ask you to draw close to them and that you would bring your good news. And I ask God that you would help each of us live in light of the fact that your son came to earth and we can experience this news. Help us to live in light of that news. So pray blessing on each person here. We're gonna sing one more song. If there's something we can pray for you about, make your way to the front. We'd love to pray for you. There's different things we can pray for. If you're experiencing a loss or a pain, we can pray for you. If you're experiencing something physically in your body, or if there's just something else going on, we have people who are trained to pray and we would love to pray with you. And we're not going to give you a lot of advice. We're going to do a lot of praying over the course of the next song. So if that's you, make your way forward and let's sing one more time together.